Belly and the fish. Belly. Belly and the fish. Welcome, friends, to Belly and the Fish. I'm your host, Corbin, a.k.a. The Fish, and we got big old Ben Belly Smokes. Hunter. Welcome to the greatest fucking podcast of all time. Good to see you, Corbin. You're damn straight, and it's good to see you too, Bell. How was the weekend for you? Football packed, I'm sure. Drain it, drained, drain ed. Whatever word drain works right here, I am out of gas. Yeah, I can see that. It's a pretty piss poor weekend for our athletic teams. Michigan State takes the big L to Michigan, and then the Lions got the absolute shit kicked out of them by the Baltimore Ravens. I'm sure the Spartan one hurts a little worse for you, though. Uh, no, I saw that coming a mile away. Um, between between the fact that the team's been so bad and they're just Aaron Hitler during the game. I mean, Michigan State's just in shambles right now. I saw that coming a while away. I was pretty positive that the Ravens were going to beat up on the Lions. Not that I necessarily wanted it, but that's exactly what happened across the board to every team in Detroit besides the Red Wings. Yeah, it was a terrible weekend, and yeah, not a good look for Michigan State. But yeah, this year's pretty much over for them. The Lions, on the other hand, I mean, they at least had a shot, and they just squandered it. Whoa, whoa, whoa. You're just going to glaze over the Hitler part? <laughs> no, well, I mean, we don't even I have was an in-depth conversation I did, I Hitler, did but... not know what that was even about. Yeah, it was like a trivia thing. I didn't know about it until No, I, I actually don't know what you're talking about. I didn't watch the game. Google Michigan State Hitler. It'll be the first search. It wasn't like during the game. Basically, like pregame, up on the... Um, scoreboard they had like a trivia thing it was like an hour before the game even kicked off and one of the answers was like hitler and they had like a giant picture of him on there oh my god they didn't yeah, screen the whole video those fucking idiots he didn't man a yeah. small corner of the screen he was loud it's and proud like, it's like a nice it it literally it's like a like a, if they were doing like a newspaper profile on him, but like a puff piece, that's the picture they would use. Yeah, so yeah, yeah I would have gone with like I would have gone with like graduation <laughs> photos, but yeah, that works too, John. <laughs> yeah, it was uh, not a good look. They said they used like a third party service for the trivia, but Jesus, man, like come on, get your shit together. Was it? Oh, I, it's a Third Reich service, I think. <laughs> that's a good one. Well. At least that kind of took the spotlight away from their ass whooping, I guess, a little bit. Lightens the uh, the blow a little bit, but no, I it's not a good thing. Nothing about Michigan State looks good right now. We need to fix this. <laughs> well, on to next year at this point. John and Isaac are back on. They've already kind of spoken, so welcome to the show, guys. How are we feeling after the Lions game? Enough about Hitler and Michigan State. I the Lions didn't play this weekend. I don't know what you're talking about. <laughs> Yeah, no. Thanks for having me on, fellas. Uh, yeah, that was. Um, I mean, that was a rough game. I don't know. There's not much more to say than that, other than we bury the tape and we we move on to Oakland. Um, classic Bill Belichick style. On to next week. Yep, it was an absolute ass kicking. We got throttled. I mean, a loss is a loss. It doesn't matter if you lose by a hundred points or one point. It was a bad game, but I think a lot of Lions fans are starting to panic and worry that, you know, this could happen any given week. Now, you got to give it to the Baltimore Ravens because they are a damn good football team. And the Lions have had losses like this in the past, 
but the Ravens are a good team with all due respect. I mean, we just really didn't have an answer for them offensively, defensively, special teams. There was really nothing that we could do. You know, it seemed like by the time we blinked, they were already up 14 nothing, and we had two three and outs consecutively. I don't think we got a first down until they already had like 21, 28 points on us or something like that. So when you're trying to dig yourself out of a hole like that, I mean, there's not a whole lot you can do. You can be as aggressive as you want, but when you're up 28 nothing and you really haven't done shit on offense, the game is pretty much lost for you. Yeah, it's one of those games where when you get down that big that early, the entire game plan that you had coming into it is out the window, and now you're doing everything on the fly, um, especially offensively. You can't run the ball anymore. You got to let it, let it fly. You have to go for it on every fourth down, um, and it just got out of control before we even ever felt like we were in the game. Yep. Yeah, I mean, we never really had a shot. You know, as soon as that ball was kicked off, the Ravens drove right down the field and put points up on us. Offense just couldn't respond. It took us a while to get in a rhythm and get anything going. And then defensively, too, I mean, they just picked us apart. Lamar Jackson, I mean, he's the main reason why they really took over because he could pass, he could run, he could do everything. It just seemed like he was playing at that MVP level from a couple of years ago. And like I said, I mean, he's came a long way as a passer these past few years. It was on full display this week, and everybody has kind of questioned when their offense is going to take that next step under Munkin, their new offensive coordinator. And, I mean, this is kind of a staple game for them. I thought them coming back from London, the time zone change, that would help us out a little bit. I knew this was a game that we could potentially lose. This is a good team, but I don't think anybody could have seen this ass-kicking coming. I mean, 38-6. to you don't see that often. So like you said, bow shot, it's one that you just got to put in the rear view, bury the tape and move on to next week. A loss is a loss. It was a bad one, but we know we still have a good team deep down. So let's break down some of these player performances. I mean, to be honest, it was kind of tough for me to focus in and analyze each of these players individually, just because I was just so demoralized the whole game. It just went from bad to worse and it just kept getting worse. There wasn't really a whole lot of positives going on in this game. So let's just try and get through it here and recap some of these guys, starting with Goff, because it was probably his worst game in the last two years. I mean, he just looked frightened in the pocket and just hesitant to, you know, really do anything with the ball. I mean, after that very first hit that he took, you could tell that he was just a little panicked feeling that pressure. So in the past few games this year, you haven't really seen that out of him. He's always been poised and confident in the pocket that his offensive linemen are going to protect him. But he was sacked five times this game. So, you know, it's understandable why he would be a little nervous because he has taken some shots these past few weeks. He's, you know, we got a long season ahead. We got to look out for him, especially when that whole second half was pretty much not worth anything. There was basically no coming back as soon as they brought it up to 35 to zero in the second half. So it was a windy day too. And it didn't look like he was very accurate with the ball. And he usually does have that pinpoint accuracy, but you saw some ducks get thrown out there. And I think both you and I were kind of talking about it with, uh, in our group text earlier, how the past couple of weeks, there has been some ducks thrown out there yeah. in the Bucks and in the Ravens. So it's hard to say if that's a wind issue or what's going on with his mechanics, but it just didn't seem like he had the uh, the accuracy he usually does this game. Yeah, and I think another thing with him is in his time with the Lions, um, Goff's been one of the best passers out of play action. And when when we can, you know, it's kind of a cliche, but when you establish the run, get it set up, 
Um, and then we can start running the play action, and he has a little bit more time to let the play develop um, and make the right read. That's where he's really shined. And I think in this game, like I just said, you're down 21 nothing after like six plays, and there's there's no setting up the play action anymore. I mean, he threw the ball 53 times this game, so I think that was a major setback for him. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I mean, our offense really didn't help him out at all. I mean, I guess the one bright spot on this offense was Jameer Gibbs. No David Montgomery this game, so the Lions really wanted to lean on him. They said that he was going to be that three-down bell cow back this game. So I thought that he did a really nice job, and you finally saw us utilize him more as a pass catcher. He had nine catches for 58 yards, so he was there for that underneath stuff, the dump-offs, which was good to see. That's the role I really do want to see him in. And it was also nice because he scored his first touchdown. I thought our run blocking was solid for him. It was the pass blocking that was the issue. But he got his first touchdown. The other thing that it's not really talked about much is when he did score, his very first career touchdown, he just throws the ball back to the ref. He didn't give a shit because we were getting our ass kicked. I was literally going to say that was my first thought is how many of the old old heads are like yeah i'd love to see that from the guy like barry sanders you uh, barry sanders used to just hand the ball right to the ref and i i knew that that was gonna be one of the lines but it is nice to see it is i mean i i don't mean it like like how you're inferring here but i'm just saying that it's good to see like his team's getting whooped and he just isn't in the mood for it yeah no he uh he just wanted to get back to work he was having a great game uh Especially considering how poor the offensive line was performing in general, he he looked good pretty much everywhere he was asked to be. Yeah, and I mean, when you're down by that much, I mean, obviously the run game kind of goes out the window. You got to make something happen in the passing game, and, you know, we utilized him in that capacity. I do think that our linemen were good in run blocking. I mean, he only had 11 rushes for 68 yards. That's some efficient play there but at the same time how much Mm -hmm. of that is the raven just kind of giving it to him because they know they just got to defend the deep stuff that's yeah absolutely i think when when gibbs looked good in this game it was already at the point where the ravens were kind of just playing a little bit softer on defense just to not give up any huge plays just keep everything in front of them that being said i mean obviously when he's running the ball in open space he he looks electric but I'm, i'm interested to see if he can do that same thing in a in an even game state. Yeah. And I mean, we've seen it. He's been efficient so far, you know, but I think the biggest takeaway here is how we utilized him as a pass catcher because yeah. that's what we got to we that's how we need to use him going for once David Montgomery is back. You 100%. know, the game script, I mean, we couldn't really control him, you know, taking on like a 20 carry, 30 carry kind of game by any means. So the one thing that was impressive, the other thing that I saw from Gibbs was he picked up a blitz and pass coverage and just stonewalled the guy. I don't know if it was a linebacker safety or what, but that was really nice to see. Yeah, that was that was nice. And then we saw Malcolm Rodriguez line up at fullback, too. I mean, I think that the coaching staff is just trying to find a way to keep him on the field just because. We have had good linebacker play up to this point, and you know he's always been a solid special teams contributor. And so, just to get him in to lay some blocks, he only had like two snaps or so, but he might be out on the field a little bit more often than not. Didn't Jason Kabinda, who is our other fullback, start as a linebacker for Penn State? Wasn't he? 
Yep, he was a linebacker, so it's not anything new. You know, taking a linebacker, converting him to fullback, you really just want a guy who can just play tough and hit some guys hard, open up some lanes for the running backs. Malcolm can do that. But let's keep it moving here because I just really want to put this game behind me at this point, man. I mean, it was just rough. You look at our wide receivers, tight ends, too. Amon Ross St. Brown, you see the box score. He had 13 catches for 102 yards, but most of that came in garbage time. And you saw he had two really uncharacteristic drops that would have been first downs. He also was trying to block a defensive back, and the guy just kind of threw him over his shoulder onto the ground. So... That was a little bit of embarrassing. That was kind of like a posterizer moment for him. I mean, it was a good game, but at the same time, you know, it all came in garbage time, so how much does it really matter? He was – him and every receiver was just absolutely blanketed the entire day. Anytime they even made a catch, they they had someone all over them. Versus when the Ravens were making a catch, they had about three yards of space every time. And that's kind of the Ravens game plan, too, is to take away the middle of the field from not even just us, from opposing offenses. And that's really where Amon Ross St. Brown makes his money is through the middle of the field. So it just wasn't open for him in the first half, second half. I mean, I don't really take into consideration any of that. I I think the fact that he had two drops in this game just tells you everything you need to know about the game. Like if even Amon Ra is not fully locked in, fully, you know, performing at his best, it's like who the hell is going to be on the team. I think they just like I think after the first quarter it was like the heart was gone and it was just professionalism basically keeping them in it kind of like going through the motions. Yeah. I don't even think it was lack of motivation or anything like that. I mean everybody has off games, but I just feel like every single player with the exception of Gibbs had an off game. I mean yeah. Laporta too, he had another drop, six catches, fifty two yards. Yeah, that's nice, but Again, garbage time, a lot of that came in. But that's what I kind of mean, like, like I, oh, sorry to interrupt, like, what I mean is, like, when everyone has an off game like that, that that's so hard to overcome mentally, that, you know, like, no matter what you're going out and doing, everybody else around you is sucking, and, like, everyone likes to say that, you know, they try their hardest at all times, which I'm sure, you know, these elite athletes who've made it to the NFL do more than most people, but, like, of course, human psychology is coming into it that they're... You know, if a few guys start slacking on a little things on, a, you know, any given play. I mean, I think Dan Campbell even said it in his press conference today that, like, just a lot of guys missing simple simple assignments, simple things, and it's harder to make sure each guy is doing, like, every individual thing they're asked when they're down by that much because um, you kind of get lost in the bigger picture. I hear you. But the one guy who was probably... I don't know what to even say about Jamison Williams at this point. I mean, what the fuck, man? Do you guys want to start it with this? I don't even know where to begin. Dude, I mean, oh God. He, God, he looks lost. He just looks lost. Him and Goff are just, they're, they're like ships in the night, man. They cannot seem to get their timing at, at all, I mean, Goff even close timing. to right. He doesn't know which way to turn to look for the ball. I, I mean, it's, I, it's, JMO, I would assume mainly, but they just, you know, they're not syncing up. Whereas, like, Goff knows exactly where to put the ball to Amon Ra, down right, up left, wherever. JMO doesn't even know which way to turn his head to look for the ball. Yeah, I don't know. I, J, I mean, I know the discourse around JMO is is so like annoying and saturated at this point, but 
I feel like at this point we can confidently say he's not going to be the player that we all thought and wanted him he was going to be. Um, but that doesn't mean he can't turn into a, you know, like a Deshaun Jackson type guy for his career who can still always take the top off of defense. Like there are players who had problems with drops early in their career who do end up fi- figuring it out. Like Devonte Adams is one. Um, if you go back to his early seasons, he struggled with drops. Um, but the fact is like, I, I did at least like to see that we did target him five times. Two of them were deep shots. Like he, he's getting open. And if you consistently get open, you know, you, you, like he didn't have problems with like this at Alabama. Now I, I know he's going against, you know, lesser corners and he has even more space. Um, but I, I don't know. I think I'm not fully ready to give up on the guy just yet. I mean, this is still like his fourth or fifth game. Oh, I'm not. I'm not ready to give up on him. I actually, there's way more good than bad. But there's like, the, I just feel like mentally he's struggling a lot. Yeah. I mean, I don't know if there is more good than bad. He had the touchdown last week. You know that was nice. But drops have been a concern ever since he came yeah. onto this team. You know, and you heard about it in training camp too, how he was struggling with drops through training camp. And then you see a couple last week, and now he had like three or four of them this game. Zero catches on, I think it was six targets. That's what I saw, Isaac. So, I mean, they're clearly trying to get him the ball. Jared Goff took some shots at the end of the game to him, and you can't haul any of those in. One of the um, go routes that he ran was a clear pass interference. Yeah, the one that hit him in the face. And it hit him in the face. Yeah. Yeah, so I I don't count that one, but there's so many other deep shots. Like you gotta pull that in, man. That's why you're here. Yeah, is to catch those deep shots. He let two touchdowns slip through his fingers. That's that's why I say there's more good than bad. But there was no good. It was all bad. Those are easily cleaned up. But those are what I mean is those are things he's getting into good positions and the mistakes are things that are more they're they're clean they're easy to clean up it's not a lack of skill it's not like he sucks he just has not he's he's rusty he's not been on the field he hasn't adjusted to the speed of the game but skill wise i feel like it's definitely there i don't yeah, know yeah i think that's john i i tend to lean towards you and this is just me being a eternal optimist when it comes to to the Lions and this kind of stuff like obviously the dude knows how to catch a football and whether it's a confidence issue right now or you know the yips or whatever it is like he's doing the things that are harder to do than just catch the damn ball and I think that's what John's trying to say and like I think we just give him more time give him more targets he I mean what is this his sixth game I mean I know some guys come in and are just ready to roll but like I. I'm not ready to, I don't know. I know you guys aren't saying you're giving up on him yet either, but um, I think no matter what, like, he's still going to be a guy who can give you a touch, a 45-yard touchdown like we saw last week at any point in the game. Yeah. I mean, I'm not giving up on him either. And I know what you're saying, John, because he has the intangible things that you can't learn, his speed, you know? And the stuff that needs refinement is his communication and his chemistry with golf to learn that playbook, to know where you have to be to get that timing down. And, you know, right. your hands, they can improve because I know what you're talking about, Bosch with Devonte Adams. Like I thought he sucked ass. And for three mm-hmm. years in fantasy, I never picked him up because I'm like, Oh, the guy can't catch. And he turned it around and look at him now. But Bucker at- dropped a <laughs> yeah. uh, touchdown this week. That cost me some money, but really <laughs> that's besides the point. No, 
But I mean, all I have to say is I'm not giving up on Jamison Williams, but I like you, Isaac, I want to be as optimistic as possible, but he makes it tough. And John, I know what you're trying to say about him, that there's things that, you know, he could improve on that are fixable, but I don't think that there has been more good than bad at this point. You know, and and it's going to take some time. You know, maybe he's not going to be no, that guy this year. Definitely not in production. Yeah. No, he just. Yeah, I, I think. I think, like I said, I feel like I've adjusted my expectations. Where I was hoping he was going to be an elite, like, you know, maybe not quite to their level, but like a Jamar Chase type guy who can be just like an electric player on the field at all times. And I feel like I'm moving that now, like my expectation to just a. Um, you know, like a Deshaun Jackson or uh, what the Chiefs wanted Kadarius Tony to be, kind of just like the the fast, um, the fast guys who can take the top off of defense. Oh man, just to lump him in with Kadarius Tony just makes me I know, right? I know. Oh, but, man. Yeah, JMO, please. Th- that's where he's leaning now. But catch some fucking balls, JMO. Hit that jug machine with Amon Ra. You got to get it down, man. I mean, he could be so fucking good, but he's just got to bring it together. The one. Hey, the one thing that does keep giving me confidence is, and I know we've spent a lot of time on JMO here, is like last week after his his touchdown, like um, how many of the guys kind of, you know, talked him up in the locker room a little bit. I know that's another cliche of like guys aren't going to talk shit about their their teammates, but I think like Anzalone called him like Mr. Misunderstood, Goff, and like the stuff on the sideline, they like all look super happy for him. Even AG looks super stoked for him. I think they know he's a good, like he's working, um, and it's not like he's... I don't think the the media can you know like idea about him that he's just kind of this lazy you know like uh, um, weirdo is yeah I don't think that's the case I think it's just he's a little different and the other thing is too I don't think that he gets in his head like you saw after that last drop in the end zone he just is like smiling like come on man what the fuck like he knows he's better than that so I like yeah. that he has that confidence I don't think he's gonna have a game this bad ever again I hope. Well, let's hope. Yeah. Yeah. So. Well, hopefully the Lions don't either. So, because that's the other thing. We can talk shit about Jamo all we want, but like, everyone played th- that bad. You know, he just says a shorter rope. Mm-hmm. Uh, we already touched on the offensive line a little bit here. Run blocking, nice. Pass protection, piss poor. Five sacks given up. Even Penny Sewell, you saw him allowing a couple pressures in there. He had two holding penalties at least. Big V and Graham Glasgow didn't look good. Decker gave up a sack or two. It was just a, a bad performance from them, and they're usually one of our strongest groups. So let's move on to defense here. Defensive line starting first. I mean, I thought that there were so many plays where we were so close to getting a sack or a tackle for loss, but we just couldn't finish. We couldn't wrap them up. And there was definitely some holding calls in there that were missed. I've been harping on this for weeks now, and it finally came back to bite us in the ass. Now, if we would have gotten all these holding calls, I don't think it would have changed the results of the game. You know, like I I think that maybe it would have been a little bit closer. It would have put them into like some third longs or into fourth down situations. But it kind of reminded me of the Michigan-Michigan State game. You know, I didn't think Michigan did any holding or anything, but whenever the pressure collapsed, J.J. McCarthy could easily just, you know, sidestep it and scramble out, and then he'll find the open man. You know, when the play breaks down, his receivers would get open. It was the same thing with Lamar. It's not like he was scrambling and running the ball every time. He would just step out of the pocket, his receivers would drift over, and he had an easy completion down the middle, and then there was Yak on top. So... 
it, and that was the, that was the thing that's frustrating. Is like even in the first half when they went down and scored, what is it? The first four drives. Yeah, I think on like every drive, we got them into third and long, or yep. even a fourth down, and then yeah, like exactly what you said, Corb. We would get there, cause the pressure, and then he, you know, Lamar would get out of the pocket, and we're we're in zone coverage, and he just the receivers just find the the soft spots, and he can do that. And I, I think that is like my biggest takeaway from the game is it's seemingly a continuing trend that our defense and like AG scheme struggles against really mobile quarterbacks. Yep. And I don't know, I don't know enough about the X's and O's of what to do to to fix that, but it feels like they should be able to to figure it out. Yeah. Yeah, I, I'll save some of the I have like when we talk about Aaron Glenn, some more kind of general notes on what I think the issues are with that. So we'll save that a little later. But obviously, we couldn't get any significant pressure on Lamar Jackson that could actually, you know, hinder him or prevent him from completing these passes. I mean, he did whatever we want. So D-line didn't do good enough. Linebackers, not better either. I mean, nothing really good to note at all. It was an average performance at best. I and mean, we just couldn't make tackles on the second level either. When our run defense is usually just so stout, there I mean, we just couldn't wrap them up. And Jack Campbell in particular, I thought that this was a pretty poor performance from him. I mean, he was that Sam linebacker, and he just had no answer for Lamar. It just seemed like he was a step behind on every single play. I had Gus Gus Edwards in, in fantasy and uh, was debating whether or not I started him, and I ended up starting him, so, but I was worried about starting him because I was like, our run defense is going to be good. Like, if they're going to beat us, it's going to be Lamar scrambling. Um, but they still were able to just run the ball at, pretty much at will. And, yeah, I think a lot of that comes down to the the linebackers not playing good enough. I think Barnes, Campbell, and Anzalone were all three of the lowest-rated uh, PFF guys this week, too. Yep. It was just definitely one to just seal away and never look at again, at least for me. I want them to learn from it, but... Usually yeah, I'll, yeah. I'll go back and watch these games and kind of pick things apart just to catch some things that I missed, but I'm not looking back at that game. It's just going to piss me off. So then we look at our defensive back group, and I didn't think they were absolutely all that bad because when plays break down and Lamar scrambles, you know, you can only be asked to cover some guys for, you know, three, four seconds, and then all bets are off. So I thought that, you know, there were some miscommunications between our safeties for sure. But outside of, like, Will Harris, I thought Sutton, Kirby, and Tracy did a decent job. Sutton probably the best out of them, but I saw a couple completions go his way too. But Will Harris, I mean, he was just put in a tough spot, and everybody's just saying, you know, he's a bust, cut him. He's not anything more than a special teamer. But you got to keep in mind that – He's a nickel safety kind of guy, and we asked him to play outside corner to replace Jerry Jacobs last minute. So, I mean, he hasn't been repping at outside corner at all, probably in his entire career. So to ask him to just go step in and take on guys like Odell and Zay Flowers and Rashad Bateman, I mean, it's it's a tough task. It's a tough ask, and he definitely did blow quite a few plays, but... We didn't utilize him how he should be utilized is all I'm saying. So I'm not saying that it was a good game, but at the same time, he was out of position trying to help out and fill in when he can. Brian Branch, too, I even thought that he got exposed a little bit on his game off, or his first game back, rather. So, yeah, I mean, defensively, pretty ugly all around, and it's tough to find any positives from that game. No turnovers. Well, we did have some turnovers for us, and I think about it, two fumbles, but still didn't really mean anything. 
Yeah, exactly. It's similar to the offense. The the points or those statistics don't matter given the game state. What happened on that uh that like forty yarder by Patrick Ricard? I think that was Will oh, Harris. That, that was insane. No, I don't know if that was. I, I'd have to watch it again, but I feel like that was. Um, I don't think they ex- either. It was a. My guess is it was either a linebacker who was supposed to cover him, or they just straight up didn't expect him to, um, to have a route there. Because that was the same one where they had. Yeah, I think they had like all the receivers had go routes, which just stretched the field, and then he just slipped out last minute right before we got Lamar. It's the same thing. It's, I mean, on all those block plays, and then slipped out, and then had like the entire half of the field wide open. Yeah. And he, boy, he's a big boy. I didn't realize. Because you see him up running in the open field, you're like, holy shit. These fullbacks are thick. I never want to see him again, honestly. <laughs> yeah, let's keep moving here so we can just get through this. And this is kind of the one, like this part of the podcast is what I think the main focus should be on. And we'll just break it down by coordinators and, and through Dan Campbell now. I said it at the beginning, I mean, it's a bad loss, but the sky's not falling. We can't hit that panic button just yet, and there's going to be people out there who are saying, same old Lions, look, we're going to blow it again. No, we're not. This is a different team, and Dan Campbell is going to get this guy, these guys ready to go. He said that he didn't do a good job. Any coach is going to say that, but I truly believe that Dan Campbell does mean it. And you know, in the past, when we have gotten our ass kicked in games like this, like the Panthers game, you know, like we bounce back and there's like the Seahawks too. We go on a six game winning streak. So it is a little concerning that once the Lions hype kind of reaches that pinnacle, you know, last week we were being talked about as one of the best teams in the NFL. I think that kind of gets to our players heads and we got to realize, you know, we got to stay humble and keep on trucking and doing what we're doing. Keep the foot on the gas for the rest of the year. Now, we've got a favorable schedule. I'm not worried about losing the NFC North. But when it comes to playoff time, we got to be fucking ready to go. We can't afford to have games like this when, you know, it's loser go home. It just can't happen. So we got to coach that out of this team. You know, we usually have a bad loss like this, like once or twice a year, even with Campbell. But I do think that this is going to refocus us. You know, I think that the guys kind of got a little fat with the uh, winning streak that we had, but we just got to keep on pushing, man. We cannot fall into these traps. It was a good team, but we can't afford to have losses like that again. We can't be embarrassed. This team is better than that. I know they are. My worry is kind of more what Isaac said, is not necessarily them having a game where they just shit the bed, but that we don't have an answer for a mobile quarterback that we're likely to face in the playoffs. Well, that's kind of my thing with Aaron Glenn, you know, because it always has been a problem. This defense has struggled stopping mobile quarterbacks. And I mean, I wish that I had the answer for what we do here, but I think that once we realize we're going against somebody like a Lamar Jackson or a Justin Fields, or even like a Geno Smith, we game plan and change our defense up and what we are built to do. Like we're attack, yeah. we are in an attacking defense and I feel like we just play contain and we get over aggressive mm-hmm. and we just kind of, you know, we get away from our game plan. Once we see Lamar pop out, someone's like, Oh, I'm going to like abandon my assignment and go and get him," And then he could just pop it over the top. You know, like it happened with Anzalone yeah. on a screen. He decided to just kind of, 
you know, jump down and stop Lamar, and then Lamar went right over the top on him. So I think that we're kind of overcommitting to stopping these rushing quarterbacks, and then when the pressure doesn't get to him, then the whole field's wide open to him. I mean, he could pick out of a, a multiple receivers to complete a pass to. So you forget that they're a quarterback. Yeah, exactly. So, yeah, I mean, I think that going forward, we just have to stick with the defense that we would pull out against any other team. Because, I mean, Daniel Jones, I mean, we locked him down when we played him, but let them get these, you know, 10, 15 yard scrambles or something, but we can't give up these 30 yard completions, you know? Yeah, I agree. I agree. Make them beat, make them beat you with the feet and with being mobile rather than just giving them, you know, simple decisions to do. Like, like you said, where they're throwing into soft zones when the pressure doesn't get home. Um, I think one interesting thing I heard today was that um, Lamar Jackson, when he's played, is like 16-1 and one or 16-2 and two against, the, against NFC teams. Yeah, um, I saw that. Which is, yeah, which is super surprising and honestly like, does make some sense that like, you don't really see a guy like him. I, mean, I know we play Justin Fields twice a year, but that dude can't throw the ball like Lamar can. No. There's no um, one like Lamar. And so, yeah, exactly. There's no one like Lamar. And so I, that is an interesting thing that it seems like teams that don't have to play him often, like, struggle a lot against him. Um, and I do agree with you, Corb, that I think we seem to, like, I don't know. I felt like the defense was m- so much more scheme-related issues than, like, personnel in this game. Yeah, I think it was discipline too, just leaving assignments, you know. Yeah. Like if the pressure doesn't get there, stick with your assignment, let Lamar run it, you know? Take that chance because I mean, if you give up that 30-yard bomb like and the yak after that, I mean, it was just terrible, man. So, I mean, I think we yeah. just got to stick with what we got. I feel like we tr- just veer away from what we're good at when we go against these running quarterbacks we just panic and we're like oh we got to change everything up to account for him no just keep it simple let's see what happens because i don't think that other teams are really drastically overhauling their defense just because you go up against a guy like lamar jackson you know you got to stick with what's best Mm -hmm. and win with the defense that got you to where we are so that's all i got to say about the defense thankfully we don't have to face lamar jackson again until potentially the super bowl so ben johnson i wasn't really upset with his game you know I wasn't mad with any of the play calls I just thought it was pretty poor execution by the players you know the run game was there but at the same time we were playing catch up and Goff just couldn't get it done he just wasn't able to execute and what I did like to see in the second half was Goff actually let it loose like when he threw that interception to JMO I just said you know what fuck it like at least he's taking a shot you know, that's what we have to do to try and get back in the game. You know, let it loose. Who cares if you throw an interception? It's fourth down anyways. Let's try and get it in the end zone. So, and then I also was saying, like, get JMO in there for every fucking snap. Let's take some shots to him. And we did. So I was happy to see it, but he just couldn't catch anything. So Ben Johnson, I didn't think it was that bad of her performance. You know, we just got to go out and execute. We weren't able to get first downs, and a lot of that comes down on the players for the most part. So, yeah, I mean, like in a in a lot of games, you can get away with running six plays, two three and outs, and the game still being even or close. And in this, you're down 21 points on your third possession, and it's just everything's out the window. 
Yep, let's put this one behind us, guys. I'm glad we kind of sped through that one. I'm just looking forward to next week when you got a big bounce back game coming up. But first, let's get to the game balls and the burning bags of dog shit. Belly, who's getting your game ball, buddy? Game ball of the week is uh, going to the Detroit Red Wings off to an unbelievable start, giving the fine people of the people of Detroit something to watch. Thanks, Bell. At least you're repping the D. John, how about you? My game ball actually stays within the Belly and the Fish family this week. It's going to our good Belly for trading me, Jameer Gibbs, before he broke out this week. Thank you very much. Hey, you know, Rashi Rice put up a good performance, and I got a couple picks out of it. He did. I, I actually saw that. So you know what? I'm happy with the trade for all sides. Everyone's smiling on this fine Monday. I'm not smiling. Collusion. All right, what about you, Bowshot? Who's getting your game ball? Whoa, 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 whoa. You can't make a comment like that without me getting a retort. Tell me why it's collusion. Mm. <laughs> Here we yeah. go. Uh, 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 we'll go, uh, uh, no, we'll go off. The no, mic. I got my coming in. No, no I'm shutting it down. Uh, Moving you, on. Cool. You, just, you, you don't want me to win. I get it. Bowshot, who's getting your game ball? Uh, I'll go Lions fans. Um, they still, I mean, I don't think blue is easy to see as, apart from purple as it was in Tampa Bay, but... The, some of the shots I saw in Baltimore were still, I mean, there was a ton of Lions fans there. Um, we got the boys traveling well this year, so I'll give it to those guys who had to go watch a, um, an ass-kicking in person. Yep, yeah, I know. I mean, I know what it's like to be at a losing football game for the Detroit Lions, and John does too, so it's no fun, but fans keep showing up, and we're going to keep stacking those wins. We got a nice favorable schedule ahead of us. My game ball is going to go to Isaiah Bugs because he did have a couple of big plays this game, you know, and he doesn't get a whole lot of recognition. I already talked about Gibbs, too. He was really nice, but we'll give it to the big fella. He did have some nice stops in there. So let's move on to the burning bags of dog shit. Belly, who's getting your burning bag? The refereeing at UFC 294, the real main event of the weekend. What happened there? Um, oh, one guy got kicked in the ball bag at one point and he's on the ground, like crying and yelping. He can't handle it. And the rep and the doctor walks up to him. He goes, he didn't get you in the balls. And he's like, he got me in my dick and my balls. <laughs> are, they, are they called a ref in UFC? Uh, the referee? That's an actual question. Do I think? don't know. I, I don't know. Are they like umpire no, or the referee? Ref? Okay. <laughs> I thought you were going to say it was because the ref didn't call no, holding. No. Lane Hutchinson. Uh, I was going to dap you up. No, I didn't I didn't really pay attention to the game. It was already 21-0. Switched right to red zone. I don't blame you. All right, John. Who's getting your burning bag? I couldn't think of anything. I just said the whole team. It's really creative of me. The fair one, honestly. Reflective of our performance. What about you, Bosch? Uh, I hate to be the the guy who's because I feel like he gets a lot of shit anytime we lose a game, but I'm gonna go with AG. We touched on it already. Um, I feel like Aaron Glenn's game plans um, get switched up too much, and he just overreacts to mobile quarterbacks. Um, he's had plenty of good games this year, but um, the two losses I feel like can be attributed to him in a lot of ways. Okay. I'm going to give my burning bag to JMO. We already talked him to death, you know, but I mean, he's our first round pick. We expected a lot from the guy and, you know, he hasn't met those expectations. So he's got to step it up and it starts with catching the football. So 
Like we said, bury the tape. We're moving on to next week, and that is the Las Vegas Raiders coming to Detroit for Monday Night Football. It's going down October 30th, pre-Halloween at 8.15 p.m. My mom's going to be going to the game, actually, so let's hope for a Lions win. The Raiders are at 3-4 and four on the season. The spread has opened up as Lions 8-point favorites. Over-under is at 44.5, and, and last week, the Raiders went to Chicago and lost 30-12 to 12 with a combination of Brian Hoyer and Aiden O'Connell. So that is an ugly loss to a bad Bears team who didn't even have Justin Fields. The last time we played the Raiders was in Oakland in 2019. We have never played the Las Vegas Raiders. And the Lions lost that game 24-31. to 31. So before we break down this game a little bit, I wanted to talk a little bit about the trade deadline because as of today, the floodgates have officially opened. The Eagles made a move for Kevin Byard from the Titans. So the dominoes are starting to fall a little bit here. So there's a couple of uh, rumors, some speculation out there on the Lions being buyers at this trade deadline. So there's a couple of positions that I had in mind. Do you guys have any uh, key guys that you've been seeing around the rumor mill going to Detroit? Real quick, what was the package on that Titans trade? They, he got like a fifth and a sixth rounder, and uh, and they got a safety back too. Eagles are sending safety Terrell Edmonds plus two draft picks, twenty twenty four fifth and Is sixth round. Oh, there we go. One year left, no guaranteed money. No, no, he, yeah, he's got a year left. No guaranteed money, but he's only making like ten mil next year. Well, he's an all-pro safety, so, I mean, the Eagles, obviously contenders, they're going out there and making moves right away. And my thing is, yes, we should be buyers. We should get some pieces, but Dan Campbell and Brad Holmes have said since the beginning, we're trying to build this for the long term. So sacrificing significant draft capital, probably not the best move. I mean, there's a couple of key positions that we should be looking at, and the cornerback uh, out specifically outside corner is definitely something we need to look into. I'm not sure who's out there, but outside of Jerry Jacobs and uh, Cam Sutton, I mean, we are absolutely fucked. No Emmanuel Mosley. And then who else did we lose? Um, CJ Gardner Johnson. Yeah, not CJ necessarily Gardner outside, but... but yeah, yeah. And like Will Harris, you know, he's good at nickel, but he, if this game wasn't proof enough that he can't play outside, then I don't know what is. So cornerback, I think is the biggest possession position to need because if Sutton or Jerry Jacobs are out of game our defensive back unit is just a, it's a liability for us we can't go oh. forward and be a significant or a legit contender without cornerback depth 100% I think for me the corner corner is number one position to need if we were to go go and get someone um, I think followed by some defensive line help just to get more pressure up front because that would help our corners at the same time um I know the fancy name that gets tossed around, the kind of the pie in the sky for a DB would be Pat Sertain. Uh, that would be like one of the only guys that would be worth uh, like a lot of draft capital because um, you could have him for a long time. Uh, but other than that, I'm not 100% sure really who's out there that would be on a, yeah, on the trade block in that position. And I do love Pat Sertain, don't get me wrong, but I do think at the same time, I don't want to be trading, you know, a first round, a second round, whatever it is, especially when he has a contract that's coming up next year or the year after. Yeah. Because we got a lot of guys that we need to pay, you know? Yeah. So. But he might be one that would be worth paying over potential people that we already have. 
I just don't know, man, because we got Amon Ra, Penny Sewell, Aiden Hutchinson, Jared Goff coming up. I mean, I was thinking more of just like a, you know, CB2 or like a veteran, a guy who can step in and fill that role if we do have some. In- some not, I'm not trying to break the bank on corner because we do no, have some you. good pieces long term with Sutton and Jerry Jacobs, but I know what you mean too. So what were you going to say, John? There's a, I just saw there's some guy, I think his name's Dante Johnson or something on the Bears that people were talking about. Jalen Johnson. Kind of. I I saw someone named Johnson. He's the guy who had two picks. Yeah, Jalen Johnson. That's who you're thinking of. Yeah, I remember two years ago. I mean, we were just fucking him up his rookie year, but I don't even know if the Bears would be interested in trading with us. Brad Holmes has showed that he doesn't have a problem trading with the Vikings. I don't know about the Bears and how they feel about it, though. Yeah, and then if you listen to Reddit, we are going to get Max Crosby, so that'll be pretty sick. So Max Crosby is the one guy that I would consider trading significant capital for because And we'll talk about him a little bit because he's on our next opponent, you know, the Raiders. But he is so similar to Hutchinson. They're almost like the Mm -hmm. same player, you know, just high motor, good run defender. He's an elite pass rusher. I mean, he's pretty much all pro caliber every single year. And he does have a pretty favorable contract, too, which is the reason why I would want to target him. Guys like Devontae Adams. Yeah, but I mean, if you look at the cap hit, I mean, it's not that bad for somebody who's. No, I mean know, that in a good way. For Thirty million, yeah. So it's not that bad of a number. He's an Eastern Michigan guy, so I mean, hopefully he has some hometown ties. I don't know too much about that. His, you know, where his fandom lies, but I mean, he would be a great get for us. Imagine him and I believe bookends. That'd be fantastic. Yeah, I believe he said he's a Lions fan. He is. Well, there you go. Yeah, you know he's got to love Dan Campbell. If they're not going to trade, if they staunchly said they're not going to trade Devontae Adams, I, I don't think they would trade Max Crosby. I wouldn't even want Devontae Adams because I'm sure you would have to give up like a second, and then that contract is it's bad. You know, I wouldn't mind giving yeah, up. A I just first mean and from the Raiders' motivation. Well, no, I know what you mean, John. I, I, I don't, don't think, think they're, they're going to trade anyone. They're not going to let him go. Well, what did they trade Khalil Mack for? Two firsts? Yeah, it was two, or, was two or three firsts. Khalil was disgruntled there, wasn't he? Yeah. Yeah, I mean, it was two first-rounders for Khalil Mack, so it's probably going to be around that. And the way we're playing, I mean, these those are going to be late, too. You know, so if they're it's worth long, a call. I would do it. Yeah. I mean, I would do it, but I don't think it's likely to happen. Yeah. I don't like the Devontae Adams trade either because – you know, he is an older guy and he's already started to show signs of, you know, he's out of his prime at this point. I mean, he's still one of the elite wide receivers in the game. It's, I wouldn't even barely call this a down year for him. He doesn't have the best quarterback play, but I think that what we really need, I do think that we need some depth at wide receiver because if JMO keeps this up outside Amon Ra, Josh Reynolds and Khalif Raymond, we don't really have that guy to stretch the field. So you know, bringing in another wide receiver with Marvin Jones. I mean, he missed this game for personal reasons, and we don't really have anybody else other other than those three: Reynolds, Khalif, and Amon Ra, and JMO. But I was kind of I was kind of joking about this with a buddy earlier. Um, but what w- would you do this trade, Corb? Would so there was a report a while ago that the Panthers are like 
searching for there. They want a wide receiver one for Bryce Young. Um, and obviously he hasn't looked anything like that yet, but would you trade JMO and maybe some picks or whatever for Brian Burns for the Panthers? I have to look at Brian Burns' contract, but no, contract, I don't think that I Yeah, I, I looked earlier. I don't think it's con- he's only under control for like, like I, he might even be a free agent next year. I think he is. Yeah. I don't think I would do it. I mean, we've got JMO for the next three years, you know, two years and then the fifth year option. So I still think that he's got a lot of potential. And I do think that Brian Burns is a great edge guy, but I mean, he's no Max Crosby. That would be the guy that I would target, like go big or go home. That's the guy who I think he embodies what Dan Campbell is all about. So I probably would hold on to JMO and see what we got. Worst case, we just let him walk. But it would also kind of cripple us at wide receiver. We would have to make a move for somebody. You know, maybe in the offseason or something, we could do something with him if we're really not feeling it. But I do think that the coaching staff likes him. I know that the, you know, his teammates like him too. So I'm not ready to call it quits on JMO by any means. But I'm not either. It was just a thought provoking question. Yeah. I was looking up the trade deadline earlier today, and it said to try to get Leonard Williams from the Giants. Um, it's got an expensive contract, but it's ending soon, and they'd only have to give up like a third to get him. Yeah, it just depends on how much cash we have to take on because what we have now, what we save rolls over, and that'll help us out with, you know, Goff, Penne, Amon-Ra, and, and Hutchinson down the road. So the last guy I wanted to mention for the trade deadline is your boy, Belly, Derrick Henry. There's rumors that the Titans are looking to move on, you know, and they just dealt Kevin Byard probably. I mean, he is their best defensive player, so they're clearly looking to be sellers. Eric Henry's 29, almost 30 years old, but, I mean, at worst, we could have a three-headed monster at running back. And at best, if David Montgomery, you know, if these injury issues persist, then we've got a guy who's, you know, probably the most physical running back in the entire league. He does bring a different dynamic to our team than Gibbs and David Montgomery already bring. So he is a pretty interesting guy for us to take on contract. You know, it's hefty for a running back, but at the same time we could figure out some deals with the cash and then it probably only take like maybe a fifth rounder, six rounder, something like that. He would be a good get for a, a it would take more than a fifth or a sixth. I think back to, like, who was it? Didn't Amari Cooper get dealt at the deadline to someone on an expiring contract for, like, a first? And this is back when Amari was performing. And Derrick Henry has had some good games, so that would be a big buy. I think it, I don't think you're going to get him for a fifth or a sixth. Dude, he might not even have a year left, though, of solid production. He's already on the downturn. It doesn't matter, dude. If you... If, if you look at the Lions' schedule the rest of the way, they play one team with a winning record right now, and that's the Cowboys the week before the end of the season. So if any times to buy, it's when you're 5-2 and two and you're only missing like a couple pieces, and then you go for it. Do I think they're going to steamroll the season? Yes, but playing the Ravens shows that they got to do better against better teams, and it's not going to happen this year. And if the team's already good enough, why don't you just go out and buy yourself a ship? I, I I tend to agree. Like like we said earlier, you know, we we're waiting to build for the long term, which is true. But if you do have a window that you realistically think you could make a run, I don't I mean shit. I I don't know. I think so with the Derrick Henry like idea. I think he's the the kind of guy you go for when you're 
going for a window because you're probably not going to pay him. It's just a rental. And I do think you could get him for less than you think, Belly, because one, Amari Cooper went to the Browns, and the Browns, like, even at the time, it was... No, no, I'm talking back. I'm talking back further. Okay, well, gotcha. Sorry. Okay. Well, we'll ignore that part then. But also, I mean, as we just saw with the Kevin Byard and the A.J. Brown trade, like, the Titans seem to take a fucking bag of dicks for their guys. Um... So, like, I don't see why a fourth-round pick couldn't get you a Derrick Henry with the rest of this contract or a fifth-round pick. I think it would be a fifth or sixth-round pick. Yeah, I don't. Belly. Like, do you really think he's going to be, like, an RB1 for the next two years? No chance, dude. This is really, like, his last year. That's what you're doing at the deadline. You're not going shopping for the long term. You're pretty much buying guys that are getting dumped off other teams or people That's what we're that are saying. in super unhappy situations. So if you can get yeah. the running back you need, why wouldn't they go get him? This is the perfect time to do it. You're not locked oh, into okay. big money long term. And I just said, if you're making a push, go for it. Yeah, well, I think I just... Gotcha, I, okay. I, I, mis- I, I misunderstood. A little more. I misunderstood. Sorry, Billy. A I don't fifth, think it'll a be fifth that or a sixth. Dude, get him, honestly. someone else will beat us in a deal. Then someone will pay at least a third. Draft picks hardly ever hit as is, and if you're getting one of the biggest, baddest running backs for the Lions, ram it down your throat scheme. Pay the third without a doubt. It would be fun. <laughs> it man, would be I fucking would fun. I would love seeing him in a Lions uniform. Oh man. I wouldn't give a third for him, but I would probably give a fourth at this point because we do have a good situation. I just think that he would be good depth for us in case of injury, and he also brings something that we currently don't have on the roster and that really no other team has on the roster in the NFL. So, Oh, they're going to run him into the ground his last season. They're going to give him as many carries because he's walking away at the end. They might limit it a little bit just so that he's not burnt out by the time playoffs comes around, but I mean – Everybody's still going to touch the ball, but Derrick Henry's your guy you're putting it up the hole with. Yeah, but that being said, I think if we're if we're, if we're going to be buyers and we're going to be sending picks, I'd want it to be defense, personally. Be- especially because two of the guys that we got in free agency played hardly any ball and are out for the season. Yep, I know. We got to make some moves to improve that defense, but... Yeah, let's move on and talk about this Raiders game a little bit. Touching on some of these injuries here, Mo Ibrahim, I mean, we all saw him go down on the field during that Baltimore game. It was a dislocated hip. Um, So we're already short on running back. It is with David Montgomery. Probably going to add another guy for this week. Um, Speaking of David Montgomery, he's probably going to be out this week as well. Keep an eye on him. Jonah Jackson, he hasn't practiced the last two weeks, so I think that he's probably doubtful at this point. And then Jerry Jacobs is a guy that we haven't gotten a whole lot of information on. He was a last-minute scratch versus the Ravens due to a knee injury, so it's unclear how serious that is. Keep an eye on it. Uh, Kirby Joseph, he went out after that Odell Beckham hit with uh, concussion symptoms, but Dan Campbell said he cleared all tests today. And then Dan Campbell also confirmed that Khalif's uh, hamstring issue on that punt return was just cramps, so he should be good to go. Now, when we look at the Raiders here, we'll start with their quarterbacks. Jimmy G is obviously the the first year coming over from San Francisco. He missed week seven versus the Bears. That was the second game that he missed this season. Uh, This last game was just due to a back issue. So it seems like he's going to start. But if not, we got rookie Aiden O'Connell out of Purdue or Brian Hoyer, Hoyer, the uh, veteran out of Michigan State. So 
Whoever starts, honestly, I mean, this is not their strong suit. It's a good matchup for us. I mean, Jimmy G hasn't really been a good quarterback for a few years, if he ever was. So that's probably the unit that we can beat up on. But the rest of their offense, I mean, they've got some weapons for sure. You look at Josh Jacobs, He's one. he was one of the best, if not the best running back in football last year. He's a first-team All-Pro. You know, this year he hasn't broken 100 yards, only two touchdowns on the season. Raiders still are using him as a receiver um, a little bit more than they have in the past few years, ever since McDaniels got there. You know, he's a talented running back, and we got to account for him. And then you got Devontae Adams, that wide receiver too. Outside of that Pittsburgh game week three, he hasn't really done much this season, and we already talked about it a little bit. He's expressed interest in getting out of Las Vegas, but he's still one of the best wide receivers in the NFL. And, you know, his time with the Packers, it haunted us. So hopefully he can uh, have a bad performance. He hasn't had many of them against us in the past. So the one guy who's kind of stood out to me on that offense that you wouldn't really expect was Jacoby Myers. He's quietly having one of the best seasons of his career, and he's been getting consistent targets. He's already had He already has five touchdowns on the year as well. So that offense has some really good weapons, but it's the quarterback that comes into question in this one. So. And then defensively, we already talked about Max Crosby quite a bit, but he's really the only player that you need to know. He's elite, you know, he really is. He can take over the game all by himself, like a Miles Garrett, TJ Watt, Micah Parsons. I put him in that category. I mean, he's just a relentless edge rusher. He's great against a run, too. There's not a lot that he can't do, so he's got to be accounted for at all times. And, you know, if he's over on Decker, he struggled a little bit the past few games. We got to help out with a tight end. Penny Sewell, it's even a tough matchup for him, you know. So he's definitely a scary matchup. He can take over and win you a game just by himself. So, all right. What do you guys think about the score? How do you see this one going down? Lions versus Raiders Monday Night Football. Belly? Um, well, I mean, the Raiders have been an absolute dumpster fire this year, and their quarterback situation is just troubling, to say the least. When you got to go between O'Connell and Brian Hoyer up there, Devonte Adams banged up. Give me the Lions, thirty to thirteen. All right, Belly, back on the wagon. I like it. And John, how about you? I got Lions twenty-seven seventeen. Uh, I think just want to say I am a little worried that Jacoby Myers is going to have like a two-touchdown game against us because we don't have a cornerback too and. He's been getting targeted like crazy, but it also depends on which one of their 50 quarterbacks they trot out there, I guess. But either way, I think we'll score enough to beat them, which is what you need to do to beat a team. Yeah, we'll put them under pressure. Get a fire under him. He won't even have a chance to throw that ball. Bosch, what about you? I'm going Lions uh, 38-13. I think we bounce back big. Uh, last year when we got our ass kicked in Carolina on the road, had a home game the next week, played the Bears 141-10. to um, I think the Lions come back in a big way this this time around. Josh McDaniels might be one of the worst head coaches of all time. Um, if you really look into like his win winning percentage and all, just anytime you watch a Raiders game, he's doing some stupid shit. Um, so I think we get the dub pretty, pretty handily. So if he looks dumb as fuck with his little spiky hair under his visor. Yeah, McDaniels is a douche. But I agree with y'all. I got the Lions winning this one 31-9. I think that we're going to step up, and this is a get-right game. You know, I think mm-hmm. that 
Our offense is going to be clicking. I think our defense has a fire lit under their ass. Dan Campbell is going to make sure that these guys have the motivation to come out and win this one. So give me the Lions, 31 to 9. Man, I just thought about that. We broke our uh, our record of 20 points per game. Oh, shit. That you're streak right. ended. It's Damn. Bummer. Yeah, I didn't even think about it. Obviously, I had bigger things on my mind. <laughs> but it's all right. We're bouncing back. We got a resilient team. Let's move on here and get into some bets with betting with the belly. Welcome back to betting with the belly. As always, we pick a favorite, an underdog, an over, and an under. Whoever is the loser at the end of the season has to eat some dogs, drink some beers, and watch some baseball. 999, you know the drill. Rolling out last week, we had Corbin with an abysmal 0-4 once again to make it two weeks in a row. But John and I have nothing to write home about considering we both went 1-3 ourselves. But that's last week. We're getting on to this week. Rolling right into the favorites. Corbin, tell me what you're feeling. I got the Chiefs going to Denver to take on the Broncos. They are eight-point favorites this week. Chiefs have been on a roll. They haven't lost since week one against us, and the Broncos suck ass. So I don't care if it's a division rivalry. Broncos aren't going to even – they're not going to cover. They're not even going to put up a fight. But give me the Chiefs minus eight. Yeah, I mean, I don't like anything coming out of Denver at all this year, and the Chiefs are just playing really well. Going into my favorite, uh, I forgot to do this during the day, so I am doing it on the fly, and the one that spoke to me was the Eagles minus 6.5 at Washington. They're arguably one of the top three teams, if not the best team in the NFC, and the commies stink. So give me the Eagles minus 6.5. John, what are you feeling, buddy? Uh... I don't know what's going on with the Bengals, if they're good or if they're bad, but I do think the 49ers can beat them by a touchdown. So taking 49ers minus five and a half at home versus the Bengals. Ooh, ooh, in their own barn. Not a bad pick, not a bad pick. Shot, what do you got? All right, well, uh, maybe it's just what I watched this past Sunday, and I'm rolling that over to this next week, but um, I'm taking Ravens. At the Cardinals, minus eight and a half. Um, brought up the stat earlier that Lamar really doesn't lose against the NFC, so I'm just going with it. And that's going to wrap up our favorites. Going right into the dogs. Corbin, who are you barking at? Ellie, the Titans might be trading off some of their pieces, but they are at home versus the Falcons, and they are giving a point getting a point rather so i'm taking the titans plus one i still think that they do have a little bit of uh you know a little bit of grit to them a little bit of, they're a little scrappy so just give me that point it's a home game even though they're selling i think mike Vrabel's gonna have those boys juiced and ready to go so i'll take them over the falcons this week okay i like it you're rooting for my boys hopefully they don't lose everybody by the time that game starts uh i'm going with the browns at seattle plus three um, that defense, even though they gave up a ton of points, I don't know if you guys saw my, the game Miles Garrett had, but it was absolutely oh, yeah. insane. He had like a, a blocked field goal, a bunch of sacks. Uh, I think he got a safety at one point. I don't know. Just Two forced fumbles. There you go. Thanks. Um, but yeah, but great game. They pulled it off against the Colts. But anyway, I'm going to think they're going two in a row. I'm taking the Browns plus three at Seattle. John, going into your dogs. I got... Saints plus one and a half at the Colts. Uh, I don't think the Colts with Gardner Minshew are exactly scary, and Zach Moss is clearly their RB1. So I think the Saints are, you know, 
Gonna go in there, sneak a little Winsky. You're using this ad space to push those Moss shares wherever you can. <laughs> I like it. Um, <laughs> uh, but the Saints, man, they did not look good in their last game. Derek Carr could not hit his receivers, but maybe they'll be able to pull it off this time. Uh, going on to you, Isaac. What do you got for the dog? All right, so I'm actually opposite John in this one. I'm taking the Bengals plus five and a half. Um, off a of bye week, I think they get it done. Um, Niners are going to have a short week since they're playing tonight. And I still believe in Joe Burrow. So I think they cover. Yeah, well, I don't know if they win, but they cover. Once that calf heals, he's ready to go. Going into the overs, what bar are you jumping over there, Corb? I'm taking the Eagles. Commies over 43 and a half. I don't know. I thought about taking the Eagles to cover the spread, but the commanders usually play them close. And the Eagles had a good scoring performance last night. I think they scored 31 points. So I could see this one being like a high score in like 28 to 21 kind of game. So I'm taking over 43 and a half here. Not bad, not bad. That Eagles team can always put up some points. For myself, I'm going with the Saints and the Colts. I think both teams are so bad that one of them or both of them are going to be good, score a shit ton of points. So go ahead and give me the Saints Colts over 43 and a half. Rolling into Jonathan, not John. John, not Jonathan. You got it. What's your over, bud? Uh, I got Jacksonville at Pittsburgh over 40 and a half. Pretty low line. I mean, Pittsburgh's offense is not very good, but Jacksonville's kind of coming into stride a little bit. Yeah, one of my favorite things ever is when I have Kenny Pickett and I check his stats and they say, no touchdowns, no interceptions for 180 yards, so pretty good game. (laughs) What what the fuck does that mean? (laughs) Like, oh, is this Taylor Heineke? Except Taylor Heineke Uh, would have two touchdowns and and a pick. Yeah, I don't know. I just always, every time with Kenny Pickett, that's always his, like, news blurb. But, yeah, that's a low bar. We'll see if he can get over it. Isaac, how about you, bud? Uh, over, I'm going Vikings-Packers, uh, over 42. I think both of these teams are dog shit. Um, and a lot of times when you get these dog shit games, similar to your Saints and Colts, you get some points. So, um, I think Kirk's, I don't, is this game at 1 o'clock? Because if it is, Kirk's putting up points. Uh, I I don't know. I don't follow the Vikings that hard, but it's got to be. It's either in one of their barns, probably. Going on to Corbin to wrap us up with the unders. I'm taking the Texans-Panthers under 42.5. Texans have looked all right offensively, but both the Texans and Panthers kind of pride themselves on their defense. Both rookie quarterbacks, you know, C.J. Stroud hasn't made some that many mistakes, but Bryce Young has, so give me the under 42.5 in this one. Yeah, that game could go either way with both rookies at quarterback, but definitely C.J. Stroud's been lighting it up. He might be able to cover that over by himself. John, looks like you agree with me this week. Why don't you take it away to start for once on the under? Yeah, you and I uh, agree, and we both disagree with Oshad on the Vikings-Packers. I got him under 43. Uh, Vikings don't have Justin Jefferson, and they are kind of putrid without him and the Packers are just kind of putrid in general so I just I see this being one of those and these divisional games a lot of the time are just like field goal fest so that's kind of what I'm seeing putrid the word of the week on the belly and the fish podcast bow shot wrap it up with your under so we can close out bet with the belly 
I'm going Rams Cowboys um, under 45. I see this as kind of a defensive defensive battle. I think I feel like every time I turn on the Rams game, Matthew Stafford's getting sacked. Um, I think Micah Parsons is going to eat him alive, and this just screams a game where Dak just shits the bed and does what he does and sucks. So I think 45 is kind of a lot of points for a team with two decent defenses. Love the reasoning. That's going to wrap it up with betting with the belly. Back to you, Corbin. All right, belly. I'll take it and pass it back because we need a Survivor League update. 14 remain. That is all that is left. Um, I myself got lucky last week. I had the Bills to start the week, and I don't even remember changing it. But I luckily changed the Seahawks, and Corbin had the Seahawks as well. We already know that Jonathan is dead, and so is Isaac, who died a long time ago. Completely forgot he was in the pool. Sorry, buddy. Week one. Oh, week one. So, yeah, it was a little bit ago. Fuck the Vikings. (laughs) (laughs) So we're uh, rolling into this week, and Corbin, tell us who you got. So this is the one that is a little tricky for me, and I might switch this because it's getting tough. A lot of teams are out, can't pick any anymore. I've already chosen a lot of the favorites. So the Eagles are most likely going to be my pick this week. They're going to Washington to take on the Commanders. Um, Like I said, these games are always kind of close, so that's why I'm hesitant. But the Eagles have a pretty tough stretch starting after this week in their schedule. So there's really not another opportunity to take them confidently until week 18. So... The Chargers versus Bears are tempting. The Cowboys have a tempting matchup too, but right now I'm rolling with the Eagles. Yeah, this is where it gets a little wild. Um, I always get scared to take the long shot, but every Sunday, like my favorite thing to root for is the Survivor Pool. So wish you the best of luck, and we'll give you an update at the end of this week. All right. So, uh, yeah, we got a little fantasy Survivor update. Uh I am really shit in the bed the last few weeks, but last week Corbin uh, actually has two players yet to play. He had Jalen Hurts and DeAndre Swift. He's still got Brandon Ayuk and George Kittle tonight. Uh, he, 33.76 points, uh, is up to 480. Then last week had Tua... Kenny Walker, Keenan Allen, and Dallas Goddard. Total of 51 points. Total on the season of 472.26. And I am just not picking the right guys for the right weeks. I'm I'm picking them for their worst weeks every time. I had Jalen Hurts, Raheem Mostert, Keenan Allen, and TJ Hawkinson, who hasn't played yet, thank God. Uh, I only had 38 points so far this week, and I'm at 436, which puts me a full uh, over 40 or uh, over 35 points behind the closest one of you guys. So I got some ground to make up. Uh, this week, though, I'm and Corbin is feeling a little better about Detroit's offensive chances, maybe. Yeah. Yeah. Like I said, it's going to be a bounce back game. I got Jared Goff against the Raiders. I'm handcuffing him with Sam Laporta. Look for those guys to have some big games. Also busting out Austin Eckler for the first time and only time this season. He's taking on Chicago, pretty favorable matchup there. And then I'm pulling out AJ Brown going against the commanders too. I mean, the guy just seems to get 10 catches every single game and this is PPR scoring. So I feel like I got a solid four this week. Uh, I I tend to agree with you on a couple of those bad boys, but what about you, Ben? 
Yeah, so I did this in about two seconds today as well. It was a short day, even though I was uh, not in the best mental state in terms of having all the dopamine back in my brain. But yeah, I picked from the cuff. Couldn't tell you who everybody's playing. Jared Goff, Raheem Mostert, CeeDee Lamb, Darren Waller. Book it. All right. Anybody else notice that it's only week eight and it's becoming really hard to figure out who to start at tight end? I am. Yes. <laughs> yeah, I suppose. Uh, so this week I have two of the same players as Corbin: uh, Austin Eckler and AJ Brown. My quarterback is Justin Herbert versus that Chicago team that just sucks ass. And then tight end uh, Jake Ferguson versus the Rams. Because I, what the hell? Why not? Dude, you can't be talking about yeah. Chicago like that. They got the bag net now. Two things to hold stuff in. What? A bag magnet, but it's badging. Oh my god! <laughs> but it's bad. Was... Nah, it's bagnet to me. D two king, dude. He, you know what he is? He's a new long neck king. Oh, yeah. Mike Glennon. He's up there. He's we got Mike Glennon, Davis Mills, and now Tyson Bajant. They're like that. You know that uh. They're like that three-headed monster uh, meme where like they all have stupid faces on and they're the long dragon neck. That's them. Yeah, Tyson Badgett's dad is also like a thirty-time world champion in arm wrestling too. I'd be su- I'm surprised because he just looks nimble. <laughs> yeah. Well, he got it done, so we'll see how he pans out this week. But. That's going to do it for our fantasy survivor for the week. So let's get into those guts with this week's bowels of the belly. Um, Not too much to report. Just had my buddy in town this weekend, played a little golf, went to an arcade bar, uh, went to uh, watch the Michigan State on a lawn, played some cornhole, so nothing too special. But there's one story from the weekend that was just super funny. Um, we're at this arcade bar, right? And we're just, uh, we found a way where the, uh, like you ever find an arcade machine where like the coins don't work right? And you just get the coins back. So when you were like a kid, so you just get a bunch, like you found the yeah. loophole at the arcade. So we found a loophole at the skee ball machine where it would just like lift up and you could just grab as many as you want and just feed them right back in there. So these kids come up to us and we just don't leave the skee ball table because it was fun, whatever. And uh, my buddy kind of waves like this. And uh, these three kids go, dude, we're Jewish. Why'd you hile at us? <laughs> and and my buddy <laughs> Phil, without skipping a beat, just looks at him and goes, dude, you hiled right back. I was just saying hi. <laughs> <laughs> they didn't know what to do with yeah. that comment. I, I might have accidentally hiled, but you hiled back. <laughs> so he just harped on that the rest of the way, and they had no comment. How did the kids know it's called hiled? But that's it's like, like common thing. knowledge. What are you talking about? Yeah, it's... I wouldn't expect young children to know that. I mean, no, it was it was. An oh, adult you got arcade. another up on their lingo. It's an adult arcade bar. It's not. It's not like I'm at a Chuck E. Cheese. There's like so I was hanging out at Chuck E. Cheese, and then I started fucking hiling Hitler <laughs> to these children. So yeah, me and my boy were just hiling children down at the local like pizzeria with Anders. And they were well-versed yeah. second graders that were all about like Holocaust knowledge. And then they so kept they knew saying exactly. "Free Palestine, oh. Free Palestine." It was weird. <laughs> uh, yeah, well, that's enough Hitler talk for this show. <laughs> Twice probably this for the, the rest of the podcast. 
to be honest. <laughs> and I couldn't, believe, problem with a hit I couldn't believe he said that to uh, a stranger. It was he didn't even say anything bad. The kid started it. <laughs> I didn't hire you. Fucking hire. Yeah, I feel like that's something I would do as a kid. Yeah, that's <laughs> pretty much how it went. Feel super awkward. <laughs> yeah, and they only played one ski ball game and left. I wonder why. Yeah, you just got panicked and got the fuck out of there. Oh, <laughs> you guys, <laughs> they got me good. Call I, cops they got me crime. good. I got to get out of here. <laughs> All right, Belly, let's wrap it up. What do you got for me this week? Here, hey, Corbin, how bad do you want it? <laughs> <laughs> All right, ever, my fucking favorite segment where we tell Corbin to see if he wants the Lions to win the Super Bowl really bad where it's super over-exaggerated. So here we're going to go right back into it. Corbin, would you live at the top of a mountaintop practicing like in a monastery and be so converted to the faith that you'd chop your balls off in solidarity and live life as a eunuch man? What the fuck? Well, you, okay, you so like I'm when not... we when we go mild on you, you're like, oh yeah, I'd do that. So now it's just fucking Olympics scorched earth. You got no dick. <laughs> so dick and balls. Gone. Like you know, Game of Thrones. It's just balls, because you need your penis to pee. No, it just no. Pee, it yeah, just pees out of a straw like horsestick.mpeg in that movie Miss March. You can go full Kendall down there. Mm-hmm. Okay. He's so just glossing over. I live up on the mountain. <laughs> I just, I said mm-hmm. I'm gonna be. A... <laughs> no, I mean, gl- no, I mean I have, over like a I'm aware of the castration. Oh yeah, <laughs> he's all smooth down there. I understand that. So it's also living up there. I abandon everything I have and I just live out my days in the monastery. But you can watch the games. We'll give you that. Oh, there's no electricity on top of a fucking mountain. Uh, there's a weekly there's a weekly supply drop that drops a fresh gator uh, generator with fresh gas just so you can watch the games on Sundays and then it's only enough gas to run the generator until the game ends and then you you're out after that. But I never get to see my family, friends, nothing ever again. I mean, you can take a trek down off the mountain, but you, it's like you get like you get to go on like a week leave, but you can only do that like once or twice a year, and then you got to go back to praying and saving people from. They're inner demons. I feel like the that you're you're focusing I, on more on the living on the mountain and less on the cutting your own balls off. Well, I mean, oh, fuck! If you're living mountain. on the mountain, the balls don't matter. I, I, yeah, yeah, I mean, true. it's pretty painful experience. Nah, just knock them out and fucking chop them. Yeah, cauterize that shit. You're fine. Just cauterize it. No, I don't think I would do it. I mean, the dick and balls—that's one thing. But living up on the mountain forever, that's probably the worst part about it. So you're saying if I just told you you had to chop your dick off, it's a a shoe-in yes. (laughs) That's how you just phrased it. No anesthesia. Yeah, I I probably wouldn't. (laughs) There's no way you would do that. literally no way. People have gotten through it before. If I win a fucking Super Bowl, like, what, what are they even useful for? You take a piss, yeah, you know... Pass on your, your seed to the future generations. Yeah, that's nice. Sex is great. But guess what? A Lions Super Bowl is forever. They also regulate your hormones. That's generational they value. Create right testosterone. There. Every day, yeah, every day you got to look down at just your bush covering no genitalia. Supplements, dude. I mean, there's people. Supplements on hormone replacement therapy. 
Gender affirming care. Well, I said that I wouldn't do it, so there you go. I took my loss. I'm three, three, and one, pending one turkey, which I still got to do. So yeah, on Thanksgiving time, I'll have a whole leftover turkey, four pounds of meat. I'm gonna save it, and then I will show it to you, Ben. I don't think that's the day I would want to do that, but you can do it however you want. No, 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 <laughs> not the day of. I'm saying I'll have my Thanksgiving, and then afterwards I'll have an excess of turkey, and that's what I will use the day after of Thanksgiving. I want, or I want to see a weight. <laughs> okay. I got you. No problemo. All right, wrap it up. Yep, that's going to do it for this week, guys. Thanks again for tuning in listening. If you haven't already, please follow, subscribe, like, and download on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and any other platform you listen to us on. Don't forget to leave us a review. Give us five stars. Follow us on Twitter. I'm at LikeCorbyashi. We also have the Belly and the Fish Instagram and Twitter accounts going. Feel free to reach out if you have any ideas for segments that you'd like to hear that you think would be cool. And please continue to spread the good word. Tell your friends, family, coworkers, and anyone and everyone you can think of. We really appreciate the love and support, guys. Yeah, thanks again for Bo Shock coming on again. Great guest. And we always love to have you on, John. I just love to be here with you, Ben. Thanks, fellas. Appreciate it. Happy to be here any week. Yep, we're happy to have you both on. John? Oh, your staples of the pod, and you will continue to be. And with that said. <laughs>